Hello, Solomon, David, and Mikey. This is the Kevin Mutombo. You have a podcast, your show, Sporting DSM. It's Solomon here. David. And Mikey. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Sporting DSM. And guys, here we are. In this episode, we welcome a very special guest, Mikey Domagala, also known as the official NBA Buzz. With over 2.8 million likes on Facebook and over 200,000 followers on Instagram, Mikey's built a strong basketball fan page that targets basketball fanatics all over the world through the power of social media. So without further ado, Solomon, take it away. Thank you for that intro, David. Uh, and I just want to mention before we start, I don't know if you guys can see my shirt, uh, but it's a Kobe Bryant shirt. I'll uh, post a picture on Instagram later on. Uh, so I just want to mention that today is the day that Kobe Bryant played his final game in his career against the Utah Jazz, and he dropped 61 points. Shaq challenged him to go for 50, and like Shaq says, that motherfucker went for 60, <laughs> and he got it. So uh, after we, uh, we've covered that, the first topic I want to uh, take a look at is the Brooklyn Nets. Now, recently Kyrie Irving... Uh, it's been uh, uh, said that he has converted to Muslim, Muslimhood, and he's fasting for the month of Ramadan. So he's going to be playing while he's fasting. And uh, also that game that was played today was supposed to be played last night against the Timberwolves. Uh, and it was postponed because of a shooting in Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, prior to this game, they had lost the game to the Los Angeles Lakers, who did who were missing plenty of guys. They were missing LeBron, AD, Marcus All, and Kyle Kuzma. Now, Mikey, this uh, this question's for you. Uh, what do you think about the Brooklyn Nets? How far do you think the Nets will go this season? Yeah, well, you know, I'm not defending. <clears throat> I'm not defending the Nets here. I'm a Knicks fan, but in that game, you you got to also mention. You know, Kevin Durant was on a minutes restriction. No James Harden. Uh, Kyrie got ejected after the Dennis Schroeder interaction. So, yeah, it was a little bit of an even playing field, I guess you could say, even though the, the Nets bench is obviously strong. But, yeah, the Brooklyn Nets fully healthy. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys know it. Everybody knows it. They're, they're a powerhouse team in the East. Uh, those three, those three together are just, you know, lethal scores between the three of them and their new bench pieces and, you know, a really underrated guy in that team who might even be an MVP of that team is Joe Harris. He's really a nice buffer shooter for them who they all find wide open for easy buckets. So, yeah, I see the, I see the Nets going far and heading to the finals this year. And they, if they face off with the, a healthy Lakers team, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm not sure how that one will go. Heading to the finals. Huh? Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to have to debate with you on that one because uh, I've been saying all season long that uh, the Nets will not make it past the second round of the playoffs. And here's why. Here's why. It's very simple. First off, they're coaching. Their head coach is very inexperienced. Steve Nash uh, has had very little experience prior to being hired as a head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. And by, by Sean Marks, his former teammate on the Suns, if you recall, and and then they banded together the rest of the Phoenix Suns of 06 <laughs> with Mike D'Antoni, Amare Stoudemire, and Ime Udoku. Uh, so really, it begs the question: was was all of these hires based off of off of you know what they could bring to the table as coaching? You know, I mean, listen, that 2006 Suns team. I mean, that wasn't a bad team, and it they was. Got- they got even more firepower than that team. And, you know, this is a different era. And listen, you could have Joe Schmo. You could have any of us coach the Brooklyn Nets right now. It doesn't matter. It's all up to KD, Kyrie, and Harden to determine what's going to happen. Like, yeah, their defensive sets, you know, could be better. Some lineups could be better, in my opinion. But, you know, with those three guys on the floor, the talent they have, Spencer Dinwiddie not even in the picture yet, uh, the coaching isn't even too much of a part of it. And I don't think that'll make them lose too many games maybe a game here and there due to some bad coaching if you want to even call it bad coaching but you know it's all up to the players all right all right uh the coaching i feel like is gonna be a big 
uh, big difference in the playoffs specifically because in a seven-game series, the the opposing team has the time and they have the, the the footage and the film to go over everything and break down your team and see how they can stop how they can stop you mm-hmm. from scoring. Maybe they'll lock up Durant. Maybe they'll double team someone else. Maybe you know and and. Yeah. They'll, they can turn Durant into a facilitator if they just yeah, throw yeah, double teams yeah. at him. No, I understand that. I mean, the only guy, I got to give credit to the Knicks, the only guy who could do that is Tom Thibodeau right now who could That's really right. game plan a defense. <laughs> that is right. seen, I mean, you got to give credit to Quinn Schneider too, you know, great mm-hmm. coach. But Tom Thibodeau is really the only guy in the NBA right now as a coach who could really, you know, bring his guys together and say, you know what, we're going to be all over these guys. These are the sets. These are the plans we're running for them on defense. This is the game plan. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. But, again, the Nets have so much firepower, and the NBA is such a a run-and-gun three-point league. It doesn't really matter what game plan you have. If the Nets get out on a fast break and knock down three straight threes, boom, there's nine points right there without even, you know, running a half-court set. Okay, David. David, what do you think about this? Uh, I guess it's a, yeah, short of so we, we know that it's advertised that the Brooklyn Nets might not have the most talent at the center position. Taking the center thing off the table, is there a second way? Is there a second Achilles heel for the Brooklyn Nets? How are they beaten? How do you see them losing? Uh, I just I, I just feel like, you know, if they have an off shooting night, but I do agree with the center position, and that's where Nicholas Claxton comes in. That's the reason why I think they got rid of Jared Allen. Nicholas Claxton, you know, he's a pretty good young player, and he's going to have to He's going to have to carry heavy load, you know, heavy load in the playoffs defending other centers because, like you said, that's their Achilles heel. So I, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the question is, can he carry that heavier load in the playoffs? And that's just something we're going to have to find out for ourselves when the playoffs come. Uh, so why don't we move on to the next topic? And uh, to start this off, I just want to let you know I am a Nuggets fan. I am a Denver Nuggets fan. And today I'm not happy with the injury uh, of uh, Jamal Murray. He went down with an uh, Achilles, right? An Achilles tear. Uh, And uh, at this point, it's not even just him. It's just so many players in the league are getting injured. I'm going to throw some information at you right here. I have a list of players who have gotten injured or are still injured right now in the league. Uh, Here we go. We have Clay Thompson, John Isaac, Jaron Jackson, Kemba Walker, Kristaps Porzingis, Thomas Bryant, TJ Warren, Kevin Love, Markel Fultz, Yusuf Nurkic, Colin Towns, CJ McCollum, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Davis, James Wiseman, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, LeBron James, LaMelo Ball, James Harden, uh, and we also have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Paul George, uh, and Spencer Dinwiddie. And today, or yesterday, Jamal Murray. I, that that is an insane amount of injured players this season. So my question for you, David Salama, uh, how is this going to affect the league, and how can they how can they fix this issue of so many injuries? So many injuries. I mean, we have to take a look at. Well, well if we look at each team individually, we got to look at their second unit, right? Like uh, with the Nets, they added, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, Blake Griffin, uh, and on on top of that, they have shooters on shooters with Landry Shamit. Um, And, you know, I I can't even believe I'm saying this, but Tyler Johnson is also a decent three-point shooter. He's just a catch-and-shoot guy. But, yeah, I mean, at at the end of the day, I feel like if we're going to ask, like, how – how does it affect teams we just have to look at their second unit we have to see if they have that depth and like uh it's yeah like for for example like if you look at the knicks the knicks uh when it came to mitchell robinson going down you know i mentioned it to my friend mikey darvish and i said you know what are we gonna do no mitchell robinson you know he's a big rim protector guy and then you know you know by surprise i mean taj gibson is you know playing so well and Nerland's Noel I, I think I, I forgot but he was uh, ranked I think first in, in blocks or something like that but he's been huge for us but at the end of the day it just comes down to that second unit it comes down to the, the second guy and it comes down to you know um, can they you know fill in that role you know what I mean mm-hmm. right right yeah can those those the next man up fill in that role and you know take on the responsibility that that's 
that falls to them in in the absence of the injured players it's really a a, a big a big issue uh because there are situations where those those role players cannot live up to that that uh that role that they should be uh taking responsibility from you know uh there are there are teams like uh like the the Knicks where where players step into Robinson's role that he he was injured and you have Nerlens Noel who's an amazing defensive guy and uh, i believe on sunday he had four blocks right yeah he had four blocks in that game against the raptors uh and there are teams that you know this kind of thing doesn't happen to that the player gets injured he he goes out like the magic the magic lost uh Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony they lost so much and John Isaac and and they've just been at at the bottom of the standings and they they ultimately decided to sell their best players uh so you know it's But very interesting to, to see yeah one has to wonder if the NBA is going to do a harder reset during the off season because what happened was you had a season cut off by covid then you had deconditioned players being brought back to a bubble a very abbreviated off season and then now they're starting this piggyback season so you're wondering if they're going to be getting that time at the end to reset after the season to maybe get their bodies right because they they put on some mileage in the last you know yeah. year and a half yeah i was i was going to say the same thing <clears throat> you know if i was asked that question that would definitely be my answer because that's that just seems like the it's the obvious thing i mean you know not everybody's lebron james who's a robot and even LeBron this year, you know, his, his robot, his, his screws and his robot got out, you know, with his injuries. So yeah, you know, it's gotta be, uh, you know, the season having what, what did the Lakers and the heat have something like 70 something games. That's uh, days in between the seasons. That's absurd. You know, that's unheard of. So I agree. Yeah. It's, it's not easy to just jump right in uh, what 80 days later after a, a championship run, Uh, it takes a lot of wind out of you. And among all these injuries, uh, I'm really interested. I'm going to be paying attention to the Denver Nuggets to see what goes on. And even th- that their organization, they're eyeing some point guards on the buyout market. They're looking at, uh, uh, you know, uh, Austin Rivers, Gerald Green, and Troy Daniels are some options that they're thinking of picking up to fill in that point guard spot. Uh, and after this nine game winning streak that was abruptly ended by this by the Celtics, I thought they had the game. Mikey, what, what, what do you have to say about the Denver Nuggets? Do you think they can bring a winning streak back? Here's the thing. Right now, you guys lost Jamal Murray. He's an integral part, an integral part of your success, because it's not only Jokic alone. Him, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon and um, Will Barton, Will Barton. 100%. And now you're going to have this backcourt where you're going to need to rely on uh, Compazzo, Barton, Shaq Harrison, all these guys that you have on your depth now have to fill that role that Jamal Murray is losing out on, correct? Yeah, yeah. and, and, and it's, it's not going to be enough. Like, I like Compazzo a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a highlight maker with his passes. Great point guard skills and, you know, uh, uh, facilitator, but he's not Jamal Murray, like you were just saying. You know, he's not going to really carry that scoring load and really make that much of a difference um i believe i can be i can be wrong i think the other week was the deadline for new buyout players to be on the roster in the playoffs i think it might be too late for that but i mean they're still going to need help through the you know the rest of the season you know austin rivers has a similar type of jamal murray's i guess shooting and scoring play set You know, he's not Jamal Murray, but that wouldn't be uh, too bad of an addition. You know, Isaiah Thomas is now a free agent after uh, the Pelicans didn't pick him up. But, you know, is 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 Denver going to want to take that gamble? So, you know, who knows what they're going to do? I'm, I'm excited to see because, man, the Nuggets are going to be scary heading into the postseason fully healthy. And it's a, it's a shame, you know, all these injuries. It's just, you know, it's it's just different. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I don't think that what they have right now is going to be enough Uh, well, of course, you can't forget about Monte Morris. I think Mikey forgot to mention him, but yep, yep. Uh, still not going to be enough. Compazzo, Morris, and, you know, uh, whatever they got in the front court, Shaq Harrison. Uh, but, yeah, uh, talking about the Nuggets, 
I, I don't think they can bring that winning streak back now without Murray. Uh, and I don't know when he's going to be back. It's, it's a bad injury. I, I hope he's back for the playoffs. He might not even be back for the playoffs. He might come back next no season. Yeah, no, no, chance. Chance. Yep, no chance. No chance. No chance, right? Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking also. No if, chance. If, if, if he gets a new leg donated to him, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we all say that. I, w- I wish I could just donate my leg. You know, that, that uh, I saw a picture today on Instagram. It was a Google search. How do I donate my Achilles? <laughs> <laughs> But, but but honestly speaking, one has to wonder if the Timberwolves aren't into you know onto something by by losing so as often as they do and ending their season short, they will be getting their players some rest. It's, it's a good strategy. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, you get a really good pick. You get these players all fully rested. You know, you get D'Angelo Russell healthy and whatever. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody gets a year older, more experience. Why not? <laughs> and the Timberwolves, like they got the first pick this uh, this draft. Like they ended up landing Anthony Edwards, who has been so far so good. I mean, I don't have any complaints. He already um, murdered someone on live TV. <laughs> and, um, you know, it would be healthy, especially to develop these young guys, because with the Timberwolves, in their case, they're looking to like be this team that's in the lottery, but also they're going to want to find success eventually. So within these five years, I have a feeling, you know, the Timberwolves are not going to want to be on the top half of the NBA and or be in the playoffs just yet. I feel like maybe give it a few more seasons and then you'll see, you know, Anthony Edwards going off. You'll see D'Lo, Carl Anthony Towns doing something. I forgot and, they even had D'Angelo Russell at one point. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah they, had D'Ange- they have D'Angelo. But yeah. I still also wouldn't want to rule out the possibility of, you know, Devin Booker maybe linking up with D'Lo and Carl Anthony Towns. I wouldn't want to, uh, you know. I don't think so. Uh, I, I, I think that ship has sailed after what's going on in Phoenix with Chris Paul. And now mm-hmm. Phoenix is really a winning team, second seed right now, I believe. And, you know, they, they'll be in the playoffs. I don't think he's going to take a back seat to hopefully be in uh, an 8-10 to 10 seed with the Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah Phoenix. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, well, it, it's hard to leave an organization that nails the trifecta of a proper GM, a solid, you know, kind of a coach's player, and also, you know, a, a well-respected veteran. You have yeah. those three. You, no one's leaving that set up. Right. Yeah, I agree. And uh, the Timberwolves, man, he, Mikey, you said that uh, Anthony Edwards murdered someone on live TV. And now I think he's got some competition for dunk of the year. Last week, Miles Bridges dunked all over Clint Capella. It was a huge dunk. The commentators, the Hornets commentators went wild. I, I think that's the duck of the year, in my opinion. Miles Bridges takes the cake over uh, Anthony Edwards because Edwards dunked it over uh, Utah. What, what, I can't Want, pronounce the guy's name. Once an Abe. And, you know, Clint Capella is in the, the defensive player of the year race right now. Okay. He's, of course he is. He's an incredible defender. He's an incredible uh, rebounds guy. And to, to dunk it over a guy like that takes guts. I think Miles Bridges uh, has the dunk of the year. What, what do you think, David Jalovitz? I mean, I think that he dunked the bleach out of Capella's hair. He just, <laughs> I mean, he, he nailed it. I was actually going to ask, just because you manage such a, such a kind of an active Instagram channel, take us a little bit behind the scenes. With, when that happens, your phone starts buzzing. Hey, did you see that dunk? What's the process of you catching it and posting it and flipping it back because in many ways, we don't look to ESPN anymore for the late breaking news. It's channels like yours that we go to. So can you just drag us behind the scenes for about 60 seconds to, to tell yeah. us what goes on? Yeah, 100%. So something like that. You know, I always have my notifications ready from journalists, other pages. Twitter is always first. So I'm not in the universe of streaming these games and recording it and then cutting it quick and then posting it. I rely on other pages to do that on Twitter. So, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, people just have time to just sit and record and cut, but that's not me. I don't have time to do that. So they post it. I download it. Other people download it. That's how all these pages get it. And yeah, you instantly go there. I mean, I try to, you know, Instagram especially um, doesn't really reward just straight up videos anymore. They like the slideshows. They like more content in one post because how their algorithm is showing it to other people so i go download the 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 picture on my computer i airdrop it to my phone i scroll to say the poster spot where miles bridges would be on capella and i take a couple screenshots there and i make a little um collage out of the three pictures and whatnot and i post that along with the video 
And, you know, so it catches people's eye first to see the picture of bridges in the air. Then they're going to go, oh, I got to check that out. So they'll swipe and they'll check out the video. You know, other people have different strategies of just posting the video. But from uh, the Instagram algorithm, I've seen that posting multiple things in one slideshow is best. So that's how I try to get the videos going viral for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a working formula because you kind of get heated up a little bit with a little bit of a teaser. Yep. And you go, I got to see this. You got it. Yep. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, uh, there's some clips where it might take 15 seconds to get, you know, they might show the start of the possession uh, whenever Bridges caught the ball and whatnot. And then people may not, it might fully not grasp them yet. So that's why I like to do a little teaser, as you said. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Some great insight there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the uh, behind the scenes look of uh, <laughs> official NBA buzz, how they get the news out. You heard it here, folks. Uh, so Saturday, Gary Trent uh, had an explosion breakout game for the Toronto Raptors, his brand new team, who's traded at the deadline. Uh, 44 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Uh, and what I found very interesting is that he shot 89.5% from the field. Yeah, 17 of uh, 19. That was a pretty incredible night, man. Wow. It was. It really was. He, but then, he went off. But what happened against the Knicks? Oh. <laughs> Air bowling shots left and uh -oh. right. Oh, hey, uh -oh. that's what happens when you uh, square up against Tom Thibodeau and the, and the dogs over there. You know? That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> right. <Mike. laughs> disrupt his rhythm. Now, yeah. Mike, I, Mike, I think uh, – that's what happens when you when you have Reggie Bullock defending you. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean, you know, he, he's a pretty good defender, above average. I wasn't too crazy about him early on in the year, but he got a little more consistent with his threes, and his defense is getting better. So, yeah, you yeah. know, it's all right. Yeah, I, I would I would have much rather somebody else from free agency or uh, the trade market though, like a, you know, Bradley Beal would have been a dream, but even somebody like Buddy Heald. <laughs> you know, at the two guard would have been nice, but yeah. it, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Buddy Hill, Buddy Hill got paid in the summer. Uh, if you remember, what was it? Th well, maybe that was last year. He got paid. He's making money, Buddy Hill, and he's on the books for a while. Uh, so I, I don't think we're able to pry him away. <laughs> not, not, not yet. Uh, but Bradley Beal, there was a lot of talk about Bradley Beal. I, I really thought he was, he was getting off that team it was evident that he needed help and Russell Westbrook, they're putting up numbers, but uh, I, I don't know. Let me ask you something. This question is for Mikey on official NBA buzz. Do you think Russell Westbrook is washed? Oh no, man. Just look at his recent numbers. I mean, yeah, he's throwing, he's a turnover machine, but he'll get you some numbers, man. Like he's the ultimate fantasy player. No, but he's not washed. I mean, since he got that haircut looking like the old MVP, Russ, he's, he's really been torturing people. And, you know, he's, he's like the same player always. He's never, he's never going to win you a championship necessarily, but he, he'll get you good stats and he'll play his butt off and he'll work hard, but he'll also throw six turnovers, maybe shoot, you know, 38% from the field. So he has his pros and he has his cons. Is he washed? No, I don't think so. He's just kind of the same old Russ, just, you know, slowing down a little bit, but still putting up numbers. Yeah, I find it really weird that there are two players playing together. You know, they, they, these are two of, you know, some of the best players in the league. Bradley Beal is leading the league in scoring, and you have Russell Westbrook, the triple-double triple, triple double machine. Uh, David Jolovitz, is, is there any way that this team – is going to figure out how to win some games. No, I think the schematics are wrong. You know, I'm not sure if it's a, if it's a coaching issue, but it, the ball doesn't seem to kind of move around naturally. I think independently, you're right. You've got two potentially Hall of Fame talents. Um, but it's a systems game. You look at the Spurs legacy. They, you know, individually, they're great players, but you have to click in like a jigsaw puzzle. And they just don't have it. Um, I, I think eventually they'll be broken up and used as trade bait because I, I don't I don't see them attracting a third piece. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Not 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 a big market, Washington. And yeah, I mean I I agree with you as well because also they don't play much defense. So you know Bradley Beal could do all the scoring he wants. He could average freaking forty five. Doesn't matter because the team they just don't play team defense. Like you said, the ball sticks a little bit. You see Russ really going for the assists, not necessarily the best pass available. I agree. I, 
that team's going to be split up and they're not going to really do anything for the rest of the year. And with Thomas Bryant's absence, I mean, Robin Lopez hasn't been really doing much. Uh, they're they're in need of they're in need of some help at that center spot, like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, you know, since the beginning of the season, the Wizards have been having issues. They lost John Wall in a trade, and they were given Westbrook. But I wouldn't really consider that, you know, necessarily a loss because Westbrook is still a top tier point guard. But then, you know, like Dave, you said, Thomas Bryant going out with that injury and also them having to trade away uh, Mo Wagner, like recently, it's not helping their case because, you know, the Wizards are not really equipped defensively and it's not there for them yet. And also um, this rookie that they have, he's uh, he's doing whatever, but he's not really filling that three and D role he was drafted to, you know, have. Right. Yeah, and it seems like every preeminent NBA team has the prolific score at six, seven or higher. Mm-hmm. It's hard when you have two of your best guys. You know, I'm not exactly sure how tall Bradley Beal is. Maybe six, five, six, four. Yeah, but Around. you know, you got two shorter guys, and it's it's just it's a formula we haven't seen work yet. And Robin Lopez is a center, does a lot of crouching. He plays, even though he might be six eleven, he plays like he's six seven, six eight because he does so much hunching. <laughs> right, caveman, huh? <laughs> caveman haircut and a caveman hunchback still, still has his classic skyhook yeah, he used to do that skyhook all the time on the Knicks <laughs> <laughs> yeah man and you know Scott Brooks still I feel like needs time to piece everything together if he wants to keep his job as head coach of the Wizards right now and it's imperative that he does what he can for his team right now because already trade deadline's done everything you could possibly do is just out of the window right now yeah they're not going to be a playoff team and then also this offseason we don't know what's going to happen will bradley Beal request a trade and want out will they maybe sign a free agent that could help them in the long run no one knows yeah yeah the wizards are built like it's, it's like a bad fantasy team where you drafted two great guards and then the rest is on auto draft <laughs> where a team like the a team like the Thunder is struggling, but they're loaded with picks. They have a whole bunch of young talent that's only getting better. They play defense it's like Dort. Uh, you know, I, the Thunder are in equally bad place, but they're trending upward. Wizards yeah. are trending down. Yeah, they are. They are trending down, and I don't think there's uh, much to save them at this point. Maybe they'll turn it around next next year. You know, in, in the free agency market, but uh, we'll have to see what what comes next. Last night. Stephen Curry broke the franchise record uh, for most points in his career by a Golden State Warrior. Actually, not Golden State Warrior because Will Chamberlain played for the Philadelphia Warriors. Uh, I think still counts as the Warriors. But yeah, Stephen Curry broke Wilt's record as most points scored by a Warrior. Uh, he Last night before the game, he only needed 19 to catch Wilt and he got 53. So he went above and beyond. Uh, now, Mikey Darwish, I have a question for you here. Stephen Curry, do you think that he can will the Warriors to the playoffs? Right now, they are a 10th seed. The Mavericks are worried about what will happen in the playing tournament. They are the 7th seed. Do you think Stephen Curry can will them to the playoffs or, or further? So, first of all, as we all know, I am a diehard Nick fan. So, I don't want the Mavericks to have a lot of success this season as we have their first rounder. <laughs> um, but honestly, I I can't tell you right now. I mean, what Curry has going on, him, Wiggins, Oubre, and Wiseman, and Wiseman out right now, of course. You know, I don't know. It's tough because Curry's in this tough spot where he basically has to carry an entire team on his back. He doesn't have Clay with him. And... It's basically him and Draymond having to do all the work, but they have no depth. They've never had depth. It's yeah. not. It's always been like their starting five, and even in the season when their starting five was stacked, when it was Curry, Thompson, Draymond, Durant, and Boogie, and they still couldn't win the ring. Yeah, like, and it's, the, the analytics tell the same story. Statistically, they have the eleventh uh, worst offensive rating of all time when Curry is not on the court. Ah. So really not good for them. Uh, but when he's on the court, their offense is incredible, not well, just because of his scoring. Also, remember, you got to remember, Curry's still in his uh, like 
younger 30s. He still has some gas left in the tank. Yeah, he just beat Wilt's record. But now every game is going to be him setting the bar higher and higher and higher and higher until someone can beat that record. But like I said, you know, Curry still has gas left. And I think he has a lot left in the tank. A lot. Of yeah, course. And speaking of his gas, I think we spoke about this once, but he has a, a, a special breathing technique that he does in order to, to keep up with himself, to not run out of breath. He has some, some breathing technique that, that keeps him, uh, you know, alive and not like passing out on the court. <laughs> I think that really helps him out a lot. Uh, and if, if it weren't for that technique, he, we would see him losing a lot of stamina because he, he does a lot of running. He's a, a short guy. He, he runs a lot. He's the best player on his team, so he's got to do a, a lot of running back and forth. And he does play some defense. You know, it's, it's not like he, he's not trying on defense. He does play defense. So he, he gives his effort on both ends of the floor. Uh, now, how long do you guys think he can keep, the, keep this up? David, David Salama, how, how, how many years do you think the Golden State Warriors have left? How many years? This, this quote-unquote dynasty, this this fading dynasty. How many years do they have left with Clay Thompson coming back, with Curry, you know, getting older? He's 32 now, I believe. How many years do they have left, David? I mean, with a, with a healthy Curry, a healthy Thompson, a healthy Draymond, I'd, I'd say maybe another maybe another five years, another maybe five to six years. Uh, I mean, the Warriors, I don't, I don't think the Warriors are going to see – an NBA finals run anymore. I mean, uh, given, you know, LeBron on the Lakers and uh, the, comp- the competition in the West, uh, you know, I was actually asking, I-, I remember asking Solomon this question a while ago. I was like, why are Warriors games still nationally televised? Yeah, I get it. They only have, you know, S- Stephen Curry, you know, one of the best shooters of all time. But I mean, the rest of the team is like, uh, I don't know, guys like Juan Toscano Anderson. And then uh, I don't know uh, well, they used to have Brad Wanamaker and all these other pieces that just didn't really add up. And they'd, and they'd always be like, I don't want to say blown out, but they'd lose by a lot on national television. But like back to your question, uh, I, I don't see it going on for a while. Um, I feel like they're they're kind of done with. I mean, you're still going to see Stephen Curry drop, you know, 40 bombs and, and Clay Thompson breaking three point records. But um, in terms of a finals run, I don't see it happening anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely not a finals run. But uh, yeah, they, we could see something from the next year with a healthy clay. Uh, but I, I don't know. After that, I don't see much happening with, with that franchise unless they make uh, certain big moves that they want there. Actually, it was actually reported today that they were interested in signing Kawhi Leonard in free agency just to, to keep Stephen Curry interested in, in staying there. Uh, but I don't know. I don't, that, that's, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's far-fetched. He's like uh, he's not going. He's not going anywhere. Don't worry yeah. about it. Ka- he, Who, he, Steph or Kawhi? Well, both. But I feel like Steph is well. First of all, the Warriors can't afford to pay Kawhi, so that's just a BS rumor I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, two, two. Steph Curry is the Derek Jeter of the NBA. Derek Jeter is so loyal to the Yankees. You know, the Yankees were the reason why Derek Jeter was who he was. Same with Steph Curry and the Warriors. They like really grew him, and he grew with the franchise. So. Steph's not going anywhere. And, you know, to hop into that question, James Wiseman is still 19 years old, guys. I mean, he's going to get better and better. And, you know, they still got pieces to, to build around when they're all healthy with uh, Clay Draymond and all those guys. So maybe not a finals in a long time, but they'll, they'll be dangerous when they're all healthy. I'd have to agree. I mean, you've got a rich owner. You've got a brand new arena. You've got Curry, who's dangerous. Clay Thompson doesn't need to touch the ball to be able to score it. If Wiseman is 85% of his potential, if Oubre steps up and breaks this year-long slump, he's, he's a phenomenal player, great energy guy. And if you slide back in this season and pick up a pretty – if you get lucky in the lottery, all of a sudden you're pretty – you're sneaky good. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, a minor free agency signing, a, a, mid, a mid to, you know, above-average free agency signing on their bench, and, you know, th- there it is. There's a deep run right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the Nets have shown us that the teams can get pretty good pretty fast. And you've yeah. already got some of the greatest shooters. And the good thing about those shooters is they don't look, Curry has to put a lot of mileage on his feet just to get an open shot. But, you know, shooters can last a while on the league. It isn't like uh, Jamal Murray might blow an ACL and all of a sudden they're the Achilles and might not be the same player. But as long as you can shoot it from three, you can play it for a while. Oh, especially in this league in 2021, you know, you, you, these guys could last to the 
until they're 40, depending on their conditioning, you know, even, even longer. It's possible. It definitely is possible. Look at LeBron James. He's, you know, he's uh, up there at 36 years old and he was on pace to win MVP before he went down with that high ankle sprain. Uh, But yeah, yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, Derek Jeter earlier. Speaking of Derek Jeter, he has something in common with Alex Rodriguez in which they both play baseball, of course. And that's right. Thank you. (laughs) And Alex Rodriguez recently uh, was part of the ownership group that uh, bought the Minnesota Timberwolves. And it was said that they're not going to relocate. They're going to stay in Minnesota. But after today's game against the Nets, the reporter asked Anthony Edwards what he thought about Alex Rodriguez. And he said, I don't know who that is. I don't know baseball. (laughs) I don't just know basketball. (laughs) It's funny. Anthony Edwards is a weird guy. Sometimes you can't tell where his head's at. Before he was drafted, uh, they asked him, you know, he he was talking about the draft and they were asking questions. And he said that if he was a top prospect in the NFL, he would go play football rather than baseball. Because, uh, Because football... He said is is a more free sport, I guess. He said in football you could you could spike the ball and you know do all kinds of stuff. In in the NBA you can't do these things. You you'll get a tech, you know, you get ejected. Uh but uh what what do you think about Anthony Edwards? Is is his head in the right spot? Does he have the right mentality for this game? Yeah, I mean I th- I his head's in the right spot. He's just a silly, innocent, you know, not yet professional kid. I think as he goes along he'll realize and the Timberwolves are going to coach him of what to say. It's not that it's a bad thing. What he said about A-Rod, he's, he simply said, I don't know who that is. I just know he bought the team. Like <laughs> you don't do your research. You know, again, it's not a bad thing. It's just a little unprofessional looking because now you got to meet A-Rod and A-Rod's going to hear that quote. And he's going to be like, Dude, I know who I am. You, you know what I mean? It's a little bit of a disconnect, but that's just him being, what is he, 19? I mean, I'm three years older than that kid, so I could call him a kid. You know, he's just a kid learning and, and growing, and he's just goofy, and he'll, I, I guess he'll adjust. That, that's the word, exactly. He's just, he's just goofy around the media. He's, he's just, he just doesn't know how to he – just, he just doesn't know how to get around the media yet. You know, he's – Yeah, he's, and, you know, it, again, it's not, a, it's not me bashing him. It's not a bad thing. It's just sometimes it's like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, in a way, it's a blessing that he's hidden up north you know, in Minnesota, um, but they have, they have historic trouble keeping talent. Anybody from Sprewell to Marbury to Garnett, you know, Garnett was one of the more loyal guys, but if, if he doesn't get good fast, which I think he will be, um, then by the time he hits the free agency market, he might leave, but, but he's got all the raw makings. So he, he can play NFL safety with his size oh, yeah. and strength. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And he's just, he's, he's a wonder kid. I think this might turn out to be one of the top, you know, best three draft classes. And just as far as, you know, draft one, draft two, draft three, LaMelo is just ridiculous. Um, And they're good for different reasons, but I I think they're just terrific. And and this is just really a shortened season. And it's, it's a shame because the media really squeezes the most out of people in their very first month. And because he was only putting up in the teens, you know, you got to give them some time. Some, Some of these guys are a little bit of a slower bake. Yeah. I mean, in this social media era, everybody on Twitter is all over these young guys, not letting them grow. Like you said, you got to let them bake. I mean, everybody's got their own path, and these guys take different – everybody, you know, grows differently, uh, their game, and develops differently. So I agree. I mean, listen, he was shooting really bad percentages early on, and that's improved already over the last 30 games. So, yeah, that's good for him. He, he's going he's gonna to be a really good player. Yeah, and he wasn't supposed to step into that team and own it right away because you had Cap and you had D'Lo. It wasn't necessarily his team yet. Um, exactly. Same with LaMelo. LaMelo stepped onto a team with Charlotte where you had Terry Rozier. And you had a bunch of these more established players, but and they've—it's amazing that they've already grabbed the keys to the car and started driving. I mean, listen, that's how it should be, in my opinion. You know, you throw them to the wolves. I don't—I don't have any pun intended there with uh, Anthony <laughs> Edwards, but you know, throw them to the wolves and have them in the mix and really getting skin in the game to really understand and not really just slowly get into it. They—they they jumped right into the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they jumped right into it. Now, Anthony Edwards right now, I believe, is the favorite to win coach of the year, in my opinion. I think he's going to win coach of the year. Coach of uh, the year? Rookie of co- the year. Rookie, rookie of the year. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're mixing up Tom Thibodeau and Anthony Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> so they look alike. 
<laughs> we'll talk about coach of the year later on. But right now, rookie of the year, I think it's Anthony Edwards. Uh, LaMelo Ball, he's injured. It, it was him up until he had that injury. So with LaMelo sidelined, I definitely think it's uh, Anthony Edwards. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton has also been playing very well. But overall, at the end of the day, it, I think it's Anthony Edwards. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's got it's got to be Edwards. Um, you know, it, it was it was Lamelo, and after Lamelo's gone, it was between like you said Halliburton, uh, Edwards, and even Emmanuel quickly. But you know, even my guy quickly has slowed down a little bit. Tyrese Halliburton has slowed down a little bit, so it's it's easily going to be Edwards. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Easily, yeah, and. The the uh, the saddening part is that next year I don't think Lamelo Ball will be eligible for the Rookie of the Year contention because the injury happened after the All Star break. So it's just going to be uh, uh, annoying to watch that Lamelo doesn't get his Rookie of the Year that he 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 should have deserved if if he not for that injury, but. Uh, you know that's that's the way it rolls. He got injured late, so uh, you know he's in. He sh- I think he should be in contention now, even with the injury. But uh, uh, he's definitely not up there in the top ten. Uh, I've actually got Ben Simmons winning the Rookie of the Year this year. No, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Ben All that Simmons. comedic relief. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> But hopefully this puts something like this might put a chip on on Lamelo's shoulder where he has to prove yeah. himself for the second season. That that's always very exciting. And I feel like you know that's also the case with like Zion. Last year he got counted out because he went down with an injury, and John Morant ended up winning the award. Not saying it wasn't deserved, but like Zion was unfortunately ineligible. And this season, you know, he's he's doing pretty well. And he's showing up. He's showing why he has a place in the league, and oh, yeah. why he should have won Rookie of the Year. From the get yes, see, I see it like rookie of the year right now matters in the first in the first year and the second year. Then after that, I feel like if you start blowing up, people you know people push that aside. Oh, you won the rookie of the year. Oh, cool. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Like like Mike Miller, that worked against him. You know, he kind of peaked <laughs> as a rookie his second year. He was rookie of the year. Then he just became a straight shooter. But the other way, like if you look at Allen Iverson, like Michael Jordan, and really legendary guys. Rookie of the year, that's like at the bottom of all their accolades. And these guys like LaMelo and Zion, that'll probably be the case as well, where we'll look back and say, oh, oh, yeah, they were injured. All right. Well, he still won an MVP and whatnot, a championship, whatever. So In the the case of like Malcolm Brogdon, that's going to be the top. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Michael Brogdon. (laughs) I I, I was going to say, Mikey, you actually – uh, you reminded me of Derrick Rose when you know while saying that because there it is. You know, at, at age 22, the guy was an MVP. Uh, I think he also did win a Rookie of the Year. But I mean, at that time, everyone thought this guy was going to be amazing. You know, Rookie of the Year isn't even going to matter because this guy's going to be the, one of the best point guards to ever play in the NBA. Yep. And sadly, you know, injuries took over his career. But yeah. Well, I mean, I would hope Thibodeau learned from that one. Because you could blame it on Thibodeau. I mean, listen, yeah. maybe that was going to happen anyway. It, it, it could have because he was taking a heavy load. And in my opinion, he should have been out of that game. Thibodeau, you know, even this year with the Knicks, Julius Randle's just playing freaking 45 minutes. And while they're up 30, he's still in there with five minutes yeah. to go. I'm like, ah, you know, but. That's that's me too. I'm telling you, I was watching the game yesterday and I was like, why? Why is he still in the game? But I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's Tom Thibodeau. And I mean, he has his pros and he has his cons. But yeah. I mean, look at what he's done with the team. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Great, I mean, but you're also missing a bit to, to Mikey's earlier point. You, you want to give him some real action, either the, the bench, the rookies, the younger guys. And if they're not good enough to start, they might need that garbage time to start playing against exactly. NBA level competition that's outside of practice. So you're not only driving your all-stars into the ground, but you're also robbing them of, of robbing the rookies of that experience or even kind of the opportunity for your second and third team to start gelling. No, no doubt about it. And the funny thing is like, Thibodeau's a genius. Like he's a genius coach. You would think he would think about that. You know, I, it's just, he baffles me a little bit sometimes. I, I love him. Uh, you know, he's a great defensive coach, great coach all around, making them play really hard. But I agree. There's some guys down there who need those minutes badly. 
and who could really prove themselves and prove to Thibodeau that they could do it and they could help the team. So that's that's my biggest complaint about him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Thibodeau, uh, you know, he has his flaws. He definitely has his flaws, but he's uh, he's been a great coach for the Knicks. He's uh, come in and completely changed the culture. Uh, but coach of the year, I wouldn't I wouldn't be so quick to give it to him. My pick for coach of the year this year uh, is Quinn Snyder because they have the best record in the West. They're such a great team on both sides of the floor, and I think uh, he's a big reason for that. Yeah, I'm, so you're, I'm you're changing your pick from Anthony Edwards. Someone? Yeah, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm changing from Anthony Edwards. I'm changing mine from John Morant. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would say Snyder, or uh, you know, every, I don't think anybody's talked about Monty Williams. I mean, uh, uh-huh, yeah, like he's listen, in there too. Yeah, I mean, listen, you could throw Chris Paul in there for Coach of the Year too. <laughs> you know, but you got to give credit to Monty Williams. You know, mm-hmm. him and James Jones, great. You know, it's that's just a great combo along with Chris Paul in there. That's a three headed monster. Like you were saying. Yeah. And David, David, I was just going to ask, like you had something to say about James Jones, a couple of, a couple of episodes ago, you were saying that like, he is the guy you want running the show in Phoenix, right? He, he's a very quiet guy behind the scenes. You know, he, he makes the moves he has to, but it's, and it seems like a simple enough kind of formula that he follows, which is he goes for the culture guys. Even he'll take notes. He said in an interview, as he's playing, like people like Jake Rowdy, he'll just mark down, okay, this guy's burned us a few times, and he's coachable. He seems like he's very, you know, polite off the court, good with the media, a great teammate in the locker room. If these guys check off those boxes, the second they're available via trade or free agency, he'll grab them. And and those good teams is really all about culture because you can't only fit alpha dogs, the Brooklyn Nets. Even, even the Brooklyn Nets have as many as you can possibly afford, and you still need those fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh guys. So it's all about the culture, guys, and James Jones has a great nose for that. Mm-hmm. I agree, and it's funny because he was that guy. He was mm-hmm. that you know marksman off the bench who would fit his role and really help these championship teams. And he 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 knows who to pick, as you said. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, not everybody needs to put up twenty-one and a half points. We just need seven and a half and no yep. turnovers. We'll take and, it. And just a couple big shots in the playoffs, and there you go. Right. Robert yeah. Ory, the Robert ghost Ory. of Robert Ory. Robert Ory. <laughs> <laughs> Getting lucky. It's all career, Robert Ory. Yeah. Uh, so we covered Rookie of the Year. We covered Coach of the Year. We've covered Coach of the Year twice now. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. There's been some talk today. Rudy Gobert moved up in the official Defensive Player of the Year ladder up to the first spot, moving Ben Simmons down to number two. And uh, Simmons is, uh, is not happy about this. Uh, here's a quote from Ben Simmons himself. It says, he's not guarding anybody. He guarded me in Utah, and I had 42. And apparently, I'm not a scorer. Uh, ben Simmons also uh, says that Gobert is not guarding one through five positions. He's not going to be guarding from the point guard to the center, game in and game out. You know, And I think that's an edge that Simmons has over Gobert. And also, I think that uh, something Simmons does much better than Gobert as well is containing certain players. You know, you'll see one night, some one guy has a has a big night against Gobert. The next night, another guy will have a big night against Gobert. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, Gobert cannot stop these explosions against him. Uh, so, Mikey Darwish, who is your pick for defensive player of the year this season? My pick for Depoy? I think Simmons might pull it back, honestly. I, at the end of the day, you're seeing that man work. Like, he he has that mentality that if I have my mind on something, I'm going to do it. I He hasn't had that mentality for the three ball in uh, his entire NBA career. But I think he could win Defensive Player of the Year. I I think he'll pull it back past Gobert. Uh, Gobert, Gobert also already won the award. So what more does he have to prove? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point that the NBA might give it to Simmons just to not give it to Gobert again. But I think it's going to be Gobert. I mean, listen, Simmons says he guards the one through five. If you watch the 76ers, he doesn't guard the five. He sometimes guards the four. You know, he's obviously capable, but capable, but he doesn't. And then here he is smack talking Gobert saying Gobert can't guard the one through five. Well, obviously he can. He's seven foot 
whatever he is. You know, he's not that quick. Mm-hmm. I think it's Gobert. They got the number one team in the league, a top defense in the league, and he's really a disruptor. And, uh, you know, to your point about players burn him sometimes, listen, that's just going to always happen. Ben Simmons has been burned by guards this season. I, I know he's a great defender, but, you know, Gobert – The things people don't realize, and even Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons doesn't watch every Utah Jazz game. Neither do any of us. Gobert's importance to that team defense and that culture is more than the statute. And I think what, you know, people don't realize and that these voters see because they watch all the games. Yeah, how many altered shots there are when you drive the paint. I know he, he kills the Suns every time. There's so many shots that are that are layups turned into floaters because they're even afraid of challenging. He, I mean, he is the Utah Jazz logo. He's just a huge mountain. And people are also yep. forgetting that Simmons has a mountain behind him. If Simmons blows his coverage, all of a sudden you've got Embiid, who's 7-1, standing behind him when he's healthy, being able to guard it. And I don't know. At the end of the day, you know, you had Devin Booker steal Kendall Jenner from, from Simmons. So, you know, he's, he's a little bit reckless with the ball. Oh, man. <laughs> Real defensive playing, Ben. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Defense, defensive player of the year, Ben Simmons, stealing away Kendall Jenner from Devin Booker. <laughs> uh, now, I hear that, uh, Mikey, you have interviewed some interesting guys. Yeah. Uh, how about we talk about LeVar Ball? That, that was the best. That was one of my favorite days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So did he have anything to say about you, about his sons teaming up in the NBA? Oh, he said a whole lot of stuff as only LeVar Ball could, man. You know, uh, this was right before this was right before the season. So we spoke a lot about LaMelo. He predicted him being rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. This was on the time where LiAngelo was on the Pistons. You know, he uh, said all all Dwayne Casey needs to do is give him a chance and he'll be dropping 30 and all that kind of stuff. Then down the line, the whole game plan is for MJ to bring them all to Charlotte. So he was bringing <laughs> – he was dropping all top-tier quotes, you know, and – what what he how he would do against MJ one on one? Obviously, he said he'd kill him. Uh, what he would do against Nate Robinson in a in a boxing match because we know about what happened to Nate Robinson. So he said he'd beat. Him. Oh so, my god! I made I made sure you know when you get Levar Ball on an interview, you got to make listen. He's gonna talk. You got to make sure you got to try to be as professional, and then as you guys do, bring in the comedic relief a little bit as much as you can. And you don't want to almost expose him to BS questions. You want to ask him, you know, good questions because he'll take them and run with them. You don't want to come off as unprofessional. But that was great. I mean, before the interview, after the interview, we spoke to him a couple minutes and it was just great. He's he's a nice guy. He's he's different off camera than you think. He's more laid back and, you know, you could just talk to him straight up. He, he, he's not yelling and screaming so much. He's a lot of that's for, for show. Yeah, he, uh, he's the Don King of basketball. Yeah, yep, exactly. I mean, listen, he puts on a show and he gets paid. So, can't blame him. Wow, very interesting, LeVar Ball. Well, right. yeah, he's, uh, he's always got a lot to say. Uh, and it's interesting that I, I, I'm hearing here first that, you know, he's a chill guy. I didn't know that. <laughs> Usually I see him with a lot of energy, with something to prove, you know. Yeah, my sons are, are going to all win uh, championships together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, listen, listen he's, he, he's still a maniac, but oh, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's held down off camera. Uh, so, did, he mention, did he mention anything about him being better than Michael Jordan? <laughs> no, I was actually hoping he was say that, but you know what? Because it was right before the season and LaMelo is, was already on Charlotte at that time, I think he kind of toned down on that a little bit not to draw too many headlines with that again. And, you know, he said some stuff about MJ that he's very happy LaMelo's with him because another – MJ will – if, if LaMelo messed up, he said it like this, if LaMelo messes up, MJ is going to be yelling and, and chewing him out in his ear to be better, and LaMelo's going to be driven by the GOAT to do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what LaVar said. He'd rather MJ be in his corner than somebody who's never played basketball and isn't, you know, isn't Michael Jordan. Right. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, some great insight uh, from uh, LeVar Ball out here. So let me ask you, do you think it's a uh, real possibility that the the Ball brothers team up? 
and you know go somewhere in this league uh you know maybe in the future towards the end of their careers some gm will make a publicity thing to bring in some sales and putting some butts in seats to put Lamelo and lonzo together but i see i see Lamelo staying in charlotte long term and lonzo coming to new york in the summer Ooh. you know and, and i'm not Ooh. being biased i just think that's a nice fit he'll get paid and you know who doesn't want to be under these bright lights and then uh a point guard is needed here Exactly. And, and you said it like uh, he's going to get paid if he could, if he does come to New York and, and LeVar does want him on 34th Street at Madison Square Garden. Also, LeVar wants to be on 34th Street as well. So, you know, yeah, oh. yeah. So uh, the stars, uh, stars just need to align and uh, they, they just got to make it happen. One yep. man's got to make one phone call and it's, it'll go through. It's going to be so crazy going to a Nick game and then maybe sitting near the same section as LeVar Ball having to hear him just chat about Lonzo, Lonzo, Lonzo. <laughs> and he's going to do everything for show in a sense. Yeah, the one thing I, I just want to add. Go ahead. Go ahead I was just going to ask. I wanted how many pairs of shoes did he sell at that $495 price point <laughs> with the triple Bs? How many units did he move? Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I was just gonna say, like, I don't, I don't know, like, if we do acquire Alonzo Ball, I just hope we don't pay him, you know, a whole hell of a lot because uh, I don't know, more than at least fifteen million yearly is, I think, a little too much, you know. I mean, Alonzo Ball did say earlier in the season that he's expecting uh, maybe twenty mil per season, and I mean, that's just a lot for for Alonzo. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I think they gotta, pull, I think they gotta pull the trigger and just get him here, you know. Uh, you got to pay a guy like that who's still young enough to have so much potential. So, you know, the, the Knicks, if Lonzo came in a trade, I, I could see the Knicks really finishing the fifth, fourth seed. You know, he'd, he'd help the offense that much. Yeah. Now, here's another question for you. If the Knicks do decide to go out and get Lonzo for, for that money that, that uh, he wants, uh, is it going to have uh, some effect on Emmanuel Quickly's development? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, you know, that's uh that's self-explanatory that another guard in there, obviously they'd have to shed Alfred Payton or somebody else, but, but yeah, IQ. Yeah. But you know, IQ isn't really too much starting point guard material. He's like a buffer guard where he's not necessarily a playmaker. He's just like a, you know, a pure scorer and stuff like that, which is great. Him off the bench right now, he's slowed down a little, but him off the bench early in the season was pretty dominant. So you know, is maybe he'll be an off-the-bench guard who plays, you know, high-quality minutes for the early part of his career. Yeah, and if you look at a lot of the IG comments, all you, all you see is, you know, why isn't Quickly starting? Why is Peyton starting? I mean, Quickly is a great point guard. You know, he's he's amazing. It's just I, I don't think he's starting material yet. You know, he's, he's yeah. just not yeah. there yet. Well, I got yeah, it. He's not a one. He's not a two. He's a one and a half, almost like Jamal Crawford was, to your point about the bench. Electric can score but has deficiencies that will keep him out of that starting rotation exactly yeah. and you know i i agree with that because early on i was on that bandwagon of yo we got to start emmanuel quickly get him in there you know he's he's showtime or whatever but fitting the team the ball sticks a lot with him julius randall really wants his his one-on-one post-ups with iq in there because iq's the ball sticks and he doesn't do too much movement you know he's more of a spot-up shooter jamal crawford type as you said david yeah, Mikey Darvish, what do you think about this? Uh, Manuel quickly, does he uh, stay on the bench or you think he should be moved up to the starters? I'm an advocate of quickly staying on the bench mm-hmm. because like like Mikey said, you know, at the beginning of the season, he was pretty dominant. And I mean, he's not ready to start yet. I don't believe he's, you know, necessarily ready. I think, of course, you need to give him more time, but also like factoring in if we do get Lonzo, like, I do believe there needs to be a lot of changes on that roster. And that first thing would be getting rid of uh, Alfred Payton. Like it's time to go as I hear every week on Arsenal fan TV, but basically, yeah, it's time. Payton's time in New York has to be cut short if we get Lonzo. So quickly as enough time to develop along with Lonzo being there is that veteran presence. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and IQ can almost look to Lonzo as a role model in that he enters the league as one player, but then develops his three-point shooting, 
doesn't let the ball, you know, it's, plays more of a hot potato type of basketball and, and just likes to whip it around. I don't think I've seen anybody pass a, a better full court pass than Lonzo. Make a terrific quarterback. Oh, wow. Yeah, Lonzo makes a mean full court pass. Uh, and it's uh, not easy to stop that kind of offensive play when you're on the other end of that, uh, uh, of that kind of game. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Looks like that's the time we have for today. Uh, thank you to Mikey from Official NBA Buzz for joining us for this incredibly special episode. And thank you to our Phoenix Suns correspondent, David Jolovitz, uh, for being here with us today. Uh, so that's all we have for you today. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at SportingDSM. Go follow uh, official NBA buzz on Instagram as well to get the, uh, the latest NBA news faster than anyone else. Uh, and make sure to uh, take a look at the website and get yourself some Sporting DSM merch now at SportingDSM.com. This is Solomon signing off. David. And... <laughs> And once again, Mikey, we will see you guys next week.